When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I'm the owner of Transworld Business Advisors of Naperville, Illinois, and I'm delighted to have a good friend and business colleague, Mike Berry, with me today. Mike also does what I do, but he does it in Indiana. He owns the uh, Indiana office, which uh, basically covers the entire state of Indiana. And he's been doing that for a few years. I'm going to have him go through his background uh, in a short moment. And uh, as I said, I welcome you to another edition of Building Better Businesses. Mike, welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Well, good morning, Steve. It's, thanks for having me on the show. It's, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, so I look forward to it. Sounds good. So... Mike, uh, I know that you are an M&A professional like myself, but in order for our audience to get a little better perspective of, of who Mike is, let's kind of rewind the videotape way, way back. Let's start with your childhood and uh, tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about how your uh, childhood was like, what kind of influence your parents had on you and uh, what were your interests back then and how did you turn into who you are today? You know, that's kind of funny. Uh, I grew up uh, central Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana, on a farm, basically. My father and mother were still very close to them today. Father always worked two jobs. He was a farmer and he uh, worked at a local manufacturing company as well. Always worked two jobs. And, and so my background of growing up on a farm and um, going through high school, playing sports and doing things like that, it kind of all melds into I go back to, uh, we buy and sell businesses today and, you know, that's what we do. So, but I used to back on the farm, buy and sell farm equipment when I was like six, seven, 10, 12 years old. That was just kind of what I, we did growing up on the farm. So when you kind of fast forward that into the world that we live in today, it's all much the same process. You know, you look, you look at things you like, you look at things you don't like, and you have some things in mind that you want to do. So it's kind of an interesting process, but my background growing up on a farm in central Indiana, and uh, it was a good experience. So when you were a child, what kind of influence did your parents, what did your mother and father do, and how did the influence, uh, I know the farm was a big influence on you, but uh, were they trying to steer you in a different direction at all, or? You know, they didn't, Steve. You know, I went through, I uh, played uh, sports in, in high school, and uh, I was in a number of different things in high school. I was in choir. I was in some of the musicals. I was in, uh, played basketball, just in a lot of different activities. And some of those things kind of shapes your process. And so as I got into college, I started into, um, went to graduate in their accounting program there and it kind of shapes you all the way through. But at the end of the day, I never 
realized I'd be doing what I'm doing today, but it's kind of fun. So you look at all that background, it's a accumulation of all those years, but, uh, but it's, it's fun. So my parents had a great influence on me. My mom was in sales. She actually, I don't know if you ever heard of a company called Home Interiors, but she sold, she sold for a company called Home Interiors that had, she had at one time, a hundred ladies reporting to her that they actually went into people's homes and sold products that goes on the walls, which is really kind of interesting. As I said, my dad was a farmer earlier and uh, worked in manufacturing plants. So, you know, you take the combination of all those things growing up and this is where we sit today. So it kind of, it has a big influence on what we do. Cool. So So you went to Purdue, you had a degree in accounting. What was the first job you got outside of your uh, college uh, days? Yeah. Funny thing, I worked in the insurance industry for a while. So I worked as a fee-based financial planner when I first got out of college for about a year, both the gentleman I worked with and I were very technically oriented. So we were very good planners, but neither one of us were marketers. <laughs> so after about a year, I actually decided that, you know, that pro- that world probably wasn't it for me. But after I spent, was there for about a year, maybe a year and a half, uh, but I was actually in the insurance industry for 25 years. So it's kind of interesting where you start and where you end. As I said, the first year in financial planning, I got out of that world for about two years, but I was, I stayed in traditional accounting finance path. And then uh, about my fourth or fifth year out of school, I took a job as assistant CFO of a company called Golden Rule Insurance. And uh, it was a great position for me. I was able to talk to all the executives, learn all the different processes in the company and become really kind of a back then a business model junkie. I kind of led our competitor intelligence group for a company that size. So Golden Rule did about $650 million in revenue. They were the largest independent health insurance company in the United States back then. This was in the early 90s. So I was there for seven years as assistant CFO, but it kind of got my forerunner into the M&A world and the finance world. And it was a good, good place to kind of cut your teeth and grow. So it was fun. So I understand you had some uh, mergers and acquisitions business uh, beyond that. Was that with Great Insurance, with your uh, insurance package, yeah. or did that yes. beyond that? Yeah, I did. So I worked for four or five different insurance companies. And growing up through that process, I became the last three companies I worked with. I was treasurer and corporate development officer. And in that corporate development title, I was the head M&A guy for the last three insurance companies I worked for. So I bought and sold insurance companies and a lot of different types of companies that are ancillary buyers with and sellers through the through the insurance world. We add those services on to the insurance companies. And the funny thing is, the one of the biggest companies I worked for it was a publicly traded life insurance company, and they got to the point where the board decided that it was talking about a precursor to our business today. That insurance world was such a balance sheet heavy business that they actually took me down a path to look at different companies that were revenue-based income, fee-based income, where it wasn't balance sheet heavy. So kind of a precursor to this world, I probably looked at three to 400 companies a year that were fee-based income producers in that world. It was kind of, at the time, I had no idea, but that was really a nice precursor to what we do today because that's exactly what you and I do today is buy and sell companies. And that's exactly the type of companies I was looking at back then, but just in the corporate world. So you so, never know where things are going to take you, I guess, at the end of the day. So. so how did you get from there to your final destination? It may not be your final, but your current destination of owning and operating a trans world franchise in the state of Indiana. So how did that happen? Well, I hope to 
I hope this is my final destination today. <laughs> so I'm I'm 55 today. Would like to run it for another nine or 10 years. I've been, but I've been doing this for eight years. Funny thing, I spent 25 years in the corporate world, and after a little while, you get kind of tired of the corporate environment, what's going on in the corporate world. And I was out networking. We moved back to the Indianapolis area. My last corporate job would take me to Missouri. We'd moved back to the Indianapolis area, and I didn't have a job. I was just out networking, looking for a job. And one of my current advisors today actually said, hey, have you ever heard about the Transworld platform with your M&A background? It would be a great fit for you because he and his son had actually looked at the platform. So as you're out networking, you never know what's going to happen. And he actually introduced me to Transworld. And then I took a day to went down and look at the platform and realized, hey, this could be a lot of fun. Instead of working with corporations and, and buying and selling corporations, it intrigued me to actually work with individuals and groups of individuals, private equity groups, it's a lot more fulfilling than the corporate world, I think. So it gives us a lot more purpose today as we get out of bed than it did before. But so, so. so I guess you kind of answered the question. I'm going to ask you, what do you like best about what you do? But it sounds like you have an opportunity to A, meet a lot of people and B, work with a lot of different types of businesses and understand the whole business process in various industries. Did I get that right? Or is there something yeah, else you yeah. want to add I mean, at the end of the day, what I love about this business is we, we see multiple businesses every week, every day, and we get to be business model jockeys. And at the end of the day, it's what other businesses out there that you can actually look at different businesses and find different things, look at different business models on a day-to-day basis and not have any repetition out there. It's really a, a joyful process. The other thing is, I would tell you, is we provide to the individuals a service today that I you know, as I said, in the corporate world, it just was not a lot of fun. Uh, but today you get to meet those individual relationships. You actually mean something to families, individuals, and even groups of people. And it's a much more rewarding relationship than in the past. So that's probably the number one thing. The second thing is actually the, the ability to look at multiple types of businesses and be that business model jockey that everybody kind of wants to be out there today. So if, if you had any advice to give business owners or uh, well, let's go on the business owner side. So of the many businesses, and I heard at least three to 500, there's probably more with your Transworld experience. What would you say would be the, the best time to start preparing to sell a business? And I know you've met many of them. And is there a particular time of operation that you would say an owner should be starting to think about? Maybe exit planning? You know, I'm going to roll this up at a very high level. That's a very good question, Steve. And you and I haven't had this conversation before, so it's interesting. So, But it's it's all about energy and how people enjoy the business they're in. If they start to lose that energy and enjoy not being around the business, it's really kind of time to get out of it. And so you start looking at extra strategies and things like that. Once you first notice that as an individual, I would say there's a year or two, maybe even three-year planning process for you to exit that business. And as soon as you notice that and you see those early warning signs of, I just don't enjoy this anymore, or this doesn't do for me and my family what I really want it to, I would suggest that people start that exit planning. And it is, it can be up to two, three year process, but that's kind of at a high level. You know, individually, we work with a lot of people who are retiring and sometimes that can be anywhere from 45 to 65, 75 or 80 these days because of our big generation that we're dealing with these days. It all comes down to, I had an 80 year old one time, I asked him if he wasn't ready to retire. He goes, no, I'm not really ready to retire. I love the business. And so when that love for the business fades away, I think it's then, then time to look at that process. How about on the buy side? So you probably deal with many buyers as well. If you had to advise them as to what they should be focusing in on when they're evaluating a business, what would be like the top three things 
you would recommend that they have to really take a strong look at? Yeah, that's obviously on the buy side. It's, it's passion. And that's one of the common denominators you see about a successful business. If you don't have a passion for a business, you're not going to enjoy the ups and downs of that business. And and some businesses can be more downs than ups. So, so the passion is the number one thing if you're looking for. So find something you're interested in, find something you love, find something you like to do. Second thing is I would don't put yourself into a highly leveraged situation, especially if you're somebody coming out of the corporate world or somebody that's been in a situation where you've been drawing a salary. Uh, put yourself in a comfortable leverage situation. So if you need to go a year or two without a paycheck, you can actually do that and live through those through those lows and highs. And I would say that the third thing is make it family friendly for you. If you're a family person and you've got time to do other things with your family, everybody wants to do that. But the entrepreneur kind of gets trapped into those 70, 80 hour work weeks, but you got to be able to put your family in there as well. So make sure your priorities are kind of lined when you buy a company. If you can get all three of those things lined up, I think you'll be successful. And not too many of those things are financial. Only one was financially driven. So <laughs> if that helps any. So we are in a, probably one of the more challenging uh, years that uh, anyone has ever experienced. And during the course of this year, Mike, would you say that there anything has changed in terms of running a business, evaluating a business? I mean, last year at this time, we thought for sure this would be a normal year. And of course, you know, we're at the end of 2020. We've gone through COVID-19. There have been a lot of adjustments. Is there any particular thing that stands out in your mind that you would A, recommend to a business owner and maybe B, recommend to a buyer as they're evaluating businesses? Anything that's changed that would be like complete and this will carry through or temporary? Any, any advice on the current environment we're going through? That's a great question. I mean, as I said, we're nine months, 10 months into this process now, Steve. And the funny thing is I'd go back to the number one thing I told people, if you don't have a passion for your business, after nine or 10 months of driving something that the customers aren't walking through the door, the revenue isn't coming through the door, and you've got to financially figure out how to get by, you've got to have that passion. And so the people who are, I think, going to be left next year and coming out still happy, have that passion, still enjoy the business, still enjoy the business model. And those businesses, as I mentioned earlier, if you're if you were a little bit over levered, it's hard to get out of 2020 because you weren't making as much income as you were before. So make it financially sound, but also the passion has got to drive you through the business. And, and I think we see that more today than ever. At the end of the day, I would also say that choose a business model that is financially driven. You're passionate about it, but it makes sense to, I'm going to say this an odd way, bankers, financial people as well because if you look at some people who could be passionate driven about the restaurant world or the hospitality world that world today is really taking a huge hit and so sometimes you might choose to do something that's not quite as exciting but more a little, a little more financially stable that's going to drive you through today's world a little longer than than the past so great question. your clients uh mike and th again this goes back to both the buy side and the sell side is there any ideal type of client that uh, you particularly prefer over others or are you trying to kind of, you know, interview them and just see how best you can help them, no matter what the industry is or what the type of client there are? Is there anything that, in terms of your business model, that uh, is a, quote, ideal client? You know, my business model is a little different. We do both Main Street and the middle market work here, both on the sell side and the buy side. So my ideal client looks probably like a successful middle market company. He's grown the business from two to three million to 10 to 20 million. But they've enjoyed the ride over 15 or 20 years and have just got to the point where 
they're ready to retire or the business is not passionate for them anymore and they're ready to sell. That's my ideal client today. But they still have great knowledge about the company. They want to see the company succeed. And so, you know, when you look at selling and doing a transition period, it doesn't hurt them to do those types of things. But I would say that's probably more on the sell side. A buy side, uh, I would say somebody who knows what they're looking for has been out there a little while who's been looking somebody who's passionate about an industry. And so we can help them find that specific piece of the pie that works for them. But in general, as you and I have talked before, Steve, we're generalists. And so we can help a lot of people across the board in in lots of different sizes of companies, both on the buy and the sell side. But it's it's, it's that passion that's going to drive a lot of people both ways. So So is there any big wow moment in your career? So for example, is there any, and people think that I'm kind of crazy because I tell the world I never make any mistakes, but boy, do I go through a lot of learning experiences. And I take those uh, learning experience and use that to improve myself. Is there anything that stands out in your career that was a uh, kind of career changing moment that caused you or, or guided you to look at things a little differently to make you better at what you do? You know, uh, it's interesting. So when we first, when I first started this business, I'm glad you asked that question. It's maybe not a wild wow moment for everybody, but it was a wild wow moment for me. Coming out of the corporate world and you work, start working with individuals. I was working with an individual seller who had a great business, an uh, HVAC company, about, did about $2 million in revenue. And he was going through some health crisis with his company. And he said to me, I'm going to treat you like a brother. So he goes, he told me about all his personal things that was going on. And so when you get to that kind of a relationship with somebody, it's very, it's very nice. So that was a wow moment for me. It was like, how impactful can we be on people? Yeah, so. Definitely a great lesson learned, uh, so we're about at the end of our time, Mike. Is there anything that uh, we haven't covered that you want our listeners? And again, the whole theme is building better businesses, whether you be the owner or you be the buyer looking in. Is there any anything that we may not have covered that you think is important for our audience to know? You know, I'm going to sound like a broken record when it comes from a broker, but, you know, across middle market, Main Street, all those levels of businesses out there, you've got to keep good books and records. So if you're trying to build value in a company, Keep good books and records. Be passionate about the business. Be adaptable every day when you come to work and listen to people around you and make decisions. Don't hem haul around about decisions. Make decisions and move forward. I mean, those are successful people that I've come across. You can think of a little bit a little while, but don't take too long to make a decision and move forward. Because as you as you mentioned earlier, we're all going to run down the wrong path. It's just how quickly we choose we get to the right path. So finally, Mike, how can people? Uh find out about you? Where can they go to get more information? I know you got a website just like I do. Any other contact info you want to leave our audience? No, that'd be great. Thanks, Steve. It's uh, Transworld Business Advisors. Tworld.com is the the main address. Tworld.com backslash Indiana is our particular site. You can find me at uh, M-I-K-E dot Barry, B-E-R-R-Y at Tworld.com as my email address. And we'd love to talk to you about uh, your passion of your business, whether you want to buy or sell. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, Steve. What do you want to talk about, Steve, that I didn't get a chance to answer for you, sir? Well, that's well, I, think, I, I think you pretty much covered it. And uh, I think one of the things I've learned over the course of my career is the old K-L-R, KLTR. You got to know someone, you got to like someone, you got to trust them. And then from there, you got the relationship going. And I think that's really what solidifies how you can help someone and what they want to do. And like you said, it's a passion. So if you're working with a business owner and you're passionate about helping them, 
that goes a long way. And I think yeah. what she said uh, kind of hits the nail on the head is that you have to have an interest in their best outcome and their best outcome might be exiting. Their best outcome might be going into the new business that they're looking at, but you've got to listen and, uh, and respond and uh, cater to their needs accordingly. So I think you did a great job. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on. It's been okay. awesome. Thank you so much. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.